What up, y'all? I'm Brendan Whitted, and I'll be your host on this episode of Politics Aside, the politics podcast on the That's Black Male podcast network. As always, I'm joined by D.C. litigator Edward Williams II and Florida prosecutor Adrian Mood. We ask that on whatever platform you're listening, you please rate, review, subscribe, follow. Without further ado, let's get to it. Couple of weeks off for the holidays, and you guys, uh, you guys don't know how to act. I see, I see that uh, we cannot be afford we we can't afford as a country for that's black male to take any sort of us time, no personal time, because folks don't know how to act when we leave. See, this is clearly our fault. It's, it's really that's why I was looking. I was like, damn, bro, that's on me. I'm down bad right now. That's 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 my bad. That's that is definitely my bad. What's up? Hey, how, how are you doing, man? Uh, you know, um, how am I doing? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm about three and a half miles from the site of the latest attempted coup and insurrection, uh, which happens to also be the site of uh, the future inauguration um, of the 46th president of the United States. Um, and, you know, still stuck at home from COVID, uh, and waiting on the botch rollout of vaccines to eventually reach us. So I would say I'm doing great. Say I'm one, just wonderfully. Uh, couldn't be better, turns out. It sounds like it. It yeah. sounds like yeah. if, if, yeah. You're only, if you're any better, you'd be twins, man. That's right. Per, per usual, That's just right. a That's ray right. of sunshine. That's right. Could, couldn't be better. You know? Well, Mood, I'm sure you'll, 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 you'll lighten it up a little bit. What... Uh, See what I did there? That was a joke. Uh, that was a colorism <laughs> joke. Anyway, mood, how are you, bro? Uh, you know, doing okay. You know, trying to find you know some light beyond the doom scrolling I've been doing on Twitter. Which you know, some good news. Right. Trump's not on there anymore. And, uh, you know, I still think we should be basking in the glow of a huge, uh, the two huge Senate wins with uh, Warnock and Ossoff, um, which was taken from us because, you know, some people, some folk decided to act up and try oh, to yeah, overthrow, forcibly happen. overthrow the U.S. government. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a, just a, another hump day in the United <laughs> States Capitol, um, you know, and uh, so just trying to find, you know, some things to look forward to, certainly. Uh, looking forward to January 20th and uh, finally getting Trump, if we can't do it earlier, and it looks like we won't, getting him up out of the White House and uh, relegating him. To I'm glad you mentioned doom scrolling because I know I've been on like I've 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 been doing that pretty hard body since like the sixth. Like I I, I was yeah. really trying to taper off my social media because I felt like I've been doing too much with it and I it was keeping me from doing stuff like this pod. That's not the reason that we took time off. I just need some. I need to break. But um, but like I felt like it was kind of keeping me from doing stuff. So like I was in the middle of doing work and I just kind of glanced over at my phone and just saw a lot of, a lot of activity and stuff, stuff popping up. So I just kind of give it a glance and I was really kind of taken aback. And since then I've been kind of doing that. So I really want, this is, this is a, a really important for me, at least uh, what you want. So this is a, this is the opportunity before we jump into the, the, the nitty gritty of, you know everything. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted right, to ask right. uh, uh, what what you want in terms of <laughs> any any content that you're consuming or you know books you're going back and, and reading or 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 anything like that to kind of keep your mind off give give your mind a safe space to to occupy 
when when it's not uh, uh, super aware. And I'll, I'll start with you, Ed. Uh, so thanks to, to be to your recommendation, uh, one that was shared in a group with me and Mood and, and our significant others. Um, uh, we're watching Are You the yes. One? Um, uh, just <laughs> which is, uh, for those of you who, who don't know, um, the, the three of us collectively share uh, trash television um, which is our at least one form of escapism these days. Um, so we actually um, have stopped more or less watching the news in the last week um, when we sit down for dinner and are instead binging um, yes. Are You the One uh, first season. So um, we decided that for the second season, we're going to basically set up um, uh, some, some like sheets mm. so we can do actually like figure like yeah. try to like map it out yeah. all that ourselves because uh we feel that we are leaps Absolutely. and bounds ahead of the people who are actually on the so show so it's on netflix it's two seasons and this was like yes, yes. 14 15 16 somewhere in there uh and it was an right, mtv right, show right. and so what they yep. did was they put it's 20 it's 20 10 men mm-hmm. and 10 women mm-hmm. On an yep. island, and they're like, "You're the one," based on, I don't know, a survey. I don't, I don't science and stuff. Yes. Whatever, whatever made up <laughs> algorithm they want to say they they did this. But like, your perfect match is on the show, and you need to find them by the end. By the end, everybody needs right. to be paired up with their with their match. They're the one. Right. And so, right. if that if that happens, everybody gets every person gets fifty thousand dollars or a million yep. overall. And so, yep. but. Watching these people come up with the reasoning behind trying to figure out because they're like little, look, the truth booths and all this other stuff that I won't get into, but like you can figure out who is and isn't your person before the last week. And like they're yep. really bad at it. They're, 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 yep. they're, yeah. they, I mean, that's not they're really bad. It's, it, I mean, what well, they're, they're all there because they have had relationship trouble or are terrible, have terrible instincts about choosing partners. And so it's just not a surprise that they, for every time someone says, well, I'm just following my gut. And I'm like, well, that is exactly the wrong <laughs> thing to do because that's why you're on this That's show. why you got on this show. That's, that's why, why you're you got on this show in the first <laughs> so, place. Um, it's like, I don't know. It ran for a number of seasons. I remember seeing the show before it hit Netflix. The, one of the last, one of the, either the last season or a season before the last season, um, they actually had like one or two bisexual people on the show. It I was, was a okay. big deal. Yeah. And because it, it opened up like a new paradigm or potential problem because there was an intentional mismatch of like the number of men and women on the show. And, uh, and so there were, there was going to be at least one same sex couple, but there were like three bisexual people. So it was like a whole, so like, so like it was, it was, it was, a, it was messier than, uh, than the show currently is. And it is plenty messy. So that's what I've been on. Um, that is my current guilty pleasure. Um, we will, uh, we are going to gamify it, of course, for the next season. Nice. But, uh, but that's what we're doing for now. Nice. That is, that is, that is a good, that is a good use of your time because those people I think so. make terrible decisions, and it's great to watch them <laughs> make these terrible decisions in a place where it really won't come back to haunt them. So it's, everything's fine. You know, the stakes are super yep. low, and so that's yep. what makes it great is the fact that you can be like, you know what, none of this is important. <laughs> Exactly. 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 What about you, Mood? Uh, what What are you on lately? Uh, so we've been binging uh, and finished uh, the flight attendant on HBO. Uh, it's got, uh, and I forget her name, uh, the woman, the actress from the Big Bang Theory, the main love interest. Uh, Kay, yeah, I think it's Kaylee Cuoco. Um, 
Yeah, and she like it's a really good show. Uh, centers around a flight attendant who goes home with a gentleman, and I'm not. I don't, I don't think I'm giving away a spoiler here. It's the first episode, and it's what the whole show centers around. But uh, goes home with a gentleman she meets on the flight and wakes up next to him murdered, and it's about her oh, in Bangkok. I have and, I've uh, seen the trailer for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really good. It's very stress inducing, <laughs> however, because you're like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Why is she doing that? Uh, but it's a really enjoyable ride, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if they. It's got Rosie oh, Perez uh, in it as well. Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if uh, they do a second season. But I, I we enjoyed it, and uh, you know that's, that, that's like, what I I've been see, on I can't lately. Handling more anxiety in the in TV shows. <laughs> like I'm going back and watching shows that I already know the beginning, middle, and end to like like I've watched Office a lot, just because like you know what I know yeah. what's about to happen. And everything it just it just makes me feel a little bit better. But I we I started this with where what I was doing on January sixth. So I I, I want to go and just kind of give me just just what was going on with you and how how you took it in. And, I, and I'll start with you, Mood. Um, when when you start, I, well, just just give me just roll out January sixth and kind of how you figured out what was going on. So I mean, let's let's keep it a buck. I woke up and I had seen the night before that likely we were going to get both Senate seats in Georgia. Um, so I was waking up in a good mood, looking to see Asaf had was going to win outside the margin of error, the 0.5 percent margin of error for our mandatory recount. Uh, that looked like it was in the bag, so I was like, it's going to be a good day. Um, I rolled into the office, you know, did some stuff, did some paperwork, and then in the afternoon, early part of the afternoon. Uh, I started, like you kind of mentioned or alluded to, uh, started seeing a lot of activity on Twitter, started seeing videos of this crowd gathering outside of the Capitol. And then the news really started picking up that they had breached the Capitol. And honestly, it kind of smacks of, I mean, I think we were all probably freshmen in high school, September 11th, where you hear it like secondhand, uh, you know, somebody crashed a plane into the Pentagon and you're like, the Pentagon, no way. You can't crash a plane into the Pentagon. You're talking about our military headquarters. Like, there's no way you can crash a commercial jet into, like, one of the most heavily fortified buildings in America. Similarly, you would think there's no way a crowd could, while the presidential election results are being certified, force their way in and force the evacuation of all of Congress. Um, you know, outside of the State of the Union, I mean, I don't know when you ha ever have all members of Congress like that all gathered in one place, along with the vice president um, who is over presiding over the certification of the election results. Um, so it was just, you know, crazy watching that going on. And then I was just locked into the news the rest of the day because, you know, the, the stat they were throwing out was, you know, since 1814, during the War of 1812, the Capitol has not <laughs> been breached. And we're watching you know, all the videos, all the insanity of what's going on. And, you know, part of you is like, wait, why aren't people being shot? Because this is insurrection. Like, this is actual insurrection. The government is trying to carry out governmental functions, and these people are trying to stop it, while also not being, you know, cavalier about the loss of life that we're talking about. But you're, it, it is sort of wondering, like, what could these people have done? We're seeing people from the, you know, the chamber floors with zip ties, there are pipe bombs being found outside the RNC and the DNC in the Capitol. There's, you know, a Molotov a collection of Molotov cocktails being found in the car. Um, people being arrested with firearms. Uh, you know, a former military vet being shot. I think her name was like Ashley Abbott, um, and four others, including a Capitol police officer, uh, dying. Um, 
it's just, you know, it was incredibly disturbing. And I mean, from like that early part of the afternoon, um, just locked into the news and figuring out what the heck is going on, because you see the president, you saw his speech and Rudy Giuliani and others who very clearly incited this. Um, and then see the, I mean, Trump directed them to the Capitol. They went and then, I mean, the chaos ensued and it was just really, really, you know, I was really taken aback by it. And, you know, you see even people, you know, like AOC with a huge following. She just said, I'm okay. That's it. Because you could tell people were really shaken up because they didn't know what was going to happen. You see members of Congress with gas masks on because the Capitol Police had told them they were going to use tear gas. And they people are, you know, telling their families they love them and they're not sure if they're going to make it out of it because they had no reason to believe that, you know, they were. You see these just striking images of Capitol Police officers barricading the house floor the doors to the house chamber with guns drawn and with the the door like the window panes to the door broken out with people trying to get in i mean republicans are trying to play this down now and they're ready to move on and unite the country but like what happened is i mean it's the kind of stuff that happens in dictatorships when when there's an actual coup and over a forcible overthrow of the government and you know, Trump's the reports are Trump was just gleeful about it all. So, I mean, I will never forget uh, January 6th in the same way I'll never forget uh, September 11th because it's just not something you see um, in America. Yeah. Ed. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I mean, similar. I, you know, I, I stayed up late watching the results roll in, uh, you know, home state of Georgia, uh, trying to help the country get its, you know, feet back under it um, by giving us a Democratic controlled Senate. Um, and, and of course, uh, Raphael Warnock is a um, is from Savannah, and so I was about to say, a, yeah, he has a hometown element. Um, I, you know, um, his sister, his sister, as a pastor in the city of Savannah, and uh, as well, and uh, she has been like a second mother to me for much of my life, including in high school. And um, I mentored his nephew, her son, um, since you know he was a freshman in high school. So I, you know, I know you know that piece of the family. I don't know uh, Reverend Warnock particularly well, but I know pieces of his family really well. And so I, you know, uh, felt connected to their own kind of their joy and pride in having a family member uh, and, and the first African-American elected to the Senate um, in the state of Georgia. So, um, so I think that I was, I went to bed, you know, feeling pretty good, woke up, uh, you know, I had my first class with my students at the Howard Civil Rights Clinic uh, Wednesday morning. Uh, so I'm, I'm, when I'm in class, I'm completely locked out of everything, you know, you know, no news, no phone or anything um, yeah, when we're in, in class for lecture. Um, so about, a, you know, came out of lecture about 1130, started seeing, you know, there's a crowd forming. We knew that the protest was coming. Um, I had, I had, by this point, I think the speech had just happened. So there was kind of some public musings about the speech, but, but not much. And then I think I went to grab food. By the time I got back from lunch, it was, uh, you know, all hell had broken loose. Um, as someone who who worked in that building, um, who like worked in the Senate um, uh, briefly, um, my thoughts were, you know, there are a couple of thoughts. I think the first one I had was um, they need to get Nancy Pelosi, uh, Vice President Pence, and Senator Grassley out of there um, because that's two, three, and four in the line of presidential succession. So my first thought was about kind of like, government has to continue. Um, and although there was no threat to the, to, you know, to President Trump, um, you have to protect the line of secession. Like that's, that, so that was my kind of my first thought. My second thought was about 
uh, was that the breach was how, how deep the breach was going to get because there was a world in which they only got basically to the vestibule, right? Like they only got to, but, but once they breached the Senate floor, I got really concerned because um, for those of you who maybe haven't spent a lot of time in the Senate or in, in, the, in the Capitol building, um, there was a underground train, uh, closed circuit train system on the Capitol that takes uh, members and staff from the Capitol building to the respective Senate and House office buildings, which sit alongside the streets alongside the Capitol building. So my thought was, okay, the, they'll be able to evacuate people so long as they can basically protect that train, uh, that train system. But once it was clear that the, the insurrectionists had breached the Senate floor, it meant that they had gotten deep enough into the Senate to actually get onto the closed circuit train station, uh, which to me meant that there was almost no way out for members who were in the building and staff. So I like my level of concern went from like, this is very concerning to like, this is deadly um, pretty quickly once I realized how deep the breach was. I think the other thing that I was thinking about um, was just all the staffers. So the members were of course protected, but um, but the staffers are were not, right? I mean, a lot of staffers were in uh, Senate and House office buildings. A lot of them were actually in the Capitol. They're, they're, they're all working on very lean staff right now. So. We're not, so it's not usually like the person who opens the mail, like that person, you know, the, the intern who opens the mail isn't really on the Hill these days, given COVID, but the people who literally make our government operate, like the chief of staff, legislative directors, they were there and they were probably in the antechambers of the, of the House and Senate floor, um, you know, awaiting their members. And they were not protected in the same ways as members of Congress were. Um, so I think that, that, that a lot of my kind of thoughts and emotions went to like the people in the space. Um, and then I think I zoomed out to kind of where mood was, which is, you know, what is happening? Like we are watching a coup happen uh, or an attempted coup. Um, and, and it became very clear what the objectives were, right? Like um, once, I, once you saw the guy with the zip ties, it became very clear that their intent was to kidnap and possibly murder or execute like members of government, like that, it was very clear that there was an intent, there was intentionality behind it. Um, the pipe bombs, the Molotov cocktails. I mean, these, these were acts of war. Um, and I think that, you know, we always, we've been doing this thing for the last four years as a country where we go like, I wonder what it would have been like to be, you know, alive during X thing. And then we're like, well, this is it. Well, you know, if you ever had to wonder what it was like, I don't know, on the cusp of civil war, um, or to be a part of a, you know, uh, to be present or alive for um, a war act on our own government, um, you know, we just lived through it. Um, and this isn't the end of it. I think that, that and I, the, my next thought went to where are we going now? Like this is a, um, the, the fact that the Capitol was breached only emboldens the people who believe that it was possible, right? Like what should have happened, first of all, the fact, again, the same thing Mood said, the, the the fact that people didn't get shot immediately upon crossing over the like chain, like into the, I mean, just like, um, and I understand why that didn't happen, right? Like it didn't happen because it would have been a bloodbath. Um, but at the same time, I think that the three of us on, on, on the pod know that if this had been black insurrectionists, it just would have been a bloodbath. Like, so I, I, was, <laughs> I, I was thinking about I like, cause that's, Cause I'm texting my dad as this is going on, right? You know, like you start. I'm, I'm sure y'all started calling y'all family members and stuff like that, and and you know I called my brother. He lives in D.C., so I'm calling him because you know afterwards there were just random bands of white supremacists running around yep. 
uh, <laughs> the streets of District of Columbia. So I'm like, hey man, I just want to make sure you at the crib. You like, you're not, you're not around or nothing. But it's also like the first thing my dad said to us, said to me was like, they still be cleaning us up right now yep. if that were us, right? Like, yep. and it and it wasn't like some crazy notion or anything like that. Like I'm, I, we all went to school in D.C. If I had taken every member of Drew Hall, my freshman dorm, and had done the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. They would have been calling our our parents to come pick up yes. their bodies and stuff. Like like that was like yep. very much, very obviously like that was the only thing I thought about. I was, it was honest to goodness. If I if there had been video of people flying like with capes and tights <laughs> and like just like for real on some like real superhero X Men shit. Like if 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 I had seen that, that would have surprised me less than folks being able to literally just walk up to like because there are levels of security there like that's the other part like you can't this is not like you drive up and nancy pelosi (laughs) opens the doors like what's good you know what i mean like no there are several levels of security you have to get to to even get to a door to be open and to get somewhere and so that to me i was i just didn't understand what i was like logistically i was like how did this happen and then obviously we started learning more things about how exactly how they got in like being let in essentially Um, and that kind of leads me to my next point. And I want to start with you, Mood, um, particularly to, to, to talk about some of the legal decisions about what these people will be charged with, uh, given, given um, the fact that you're a prosecutor. What do you want to see happen to the people that were a part of this? Like what like what's because that's that's kind of where we are at now. A week later, we're at, OK, what are we doing and, and why? And I, I just kind of want to get your thoughts on that. Well, I think uh, we uh, just earlier today, I think the U.S. attorney for District of Columbia came out and laid out a whole like gamut of charges that are possible from felony murder down to trespass. So I think the playbook is open um, and, and I think are merited by the behavior and criminality we saw take place last Wednesday. Um, and I think we have to like I, I know we live in an age where we're pushing criminal justice reform reform, but I think what has to be communicated here is this type of, this cannot happen again. And I think sedition and insurrection have to be punished as such. Like, they're lucky they weren't, like, those people, every last one of them, and I know some people did lose their lives, and I am not being cavalier about taking a life, but, you know, trying to overthrow the government (laughs) is an act punishable by death normally. Like, the rules are normally, and you die for that. Uh, those are normally the rules. When you when you engage in an act of war against the United States government, people have died for less, far less, far less. And I and I could not. I was in watching in disbelief and anger, frankly, that our government. These people are legitimately trying to overthrow our government, and then like the anger goes from them to the people then that instigated it, because they instigated it over a lie, a, a lie that they know is a lie. The, the Josh Hawley's, the Ted Cruz's of the world, the Kevin McCarthy's, they all know that this election was free and fair and that Donald Trump lost by a landslide. I get that, you know, we had some narrow margins in some states, but he lost by 7 million votes and lost by the same margin he defeated Hillary Clinton by, which he declared a landslide, but suddenly is no longer a landslide when he's on the other receiving end of it. But my anger at them, because these people, like, not they're dumb, because that's something we have to also talk about, is these were not the hillbillies uh, of whatever state. I'm not going to disparage any state of the union, but, like, these were not the people that they try to make out that are super MAGA supporters. These were doctors, lawyers, 
business owners, people of means, um, taking these flights to follow their president's marching orders. Um, and they were all doing it because they've been fed these lies. And ultimately, you know, white supremacy is what drove them to do what they did. Um, and it's just infuriating that the GOP has just been feckless to denounce this behavior, denounce this white supremacy, and it costs life. Like Lindsey Graham, Tim Scott, these other people are trying to paper over this and let T uh, Trump like try to just ride out into the sunset. Like, no, something that hasn't happened since the War of 1812 just occurred because the president can't accept that he lost an election. The sitting president it is unfathomable that this took place, and we cannot allow Repu elected Republicans to play down what just transpired. It is a national embarrassment, it is an international embarrassment as we go out into the world and try to sell the uh, benefits and the uh, greatness of democracy and look at what's happening in our own backyard, in our seat of government. It, it's embarrassing. Well, I'm glad you, that, that's a perfect segue to where I want to ask Ed about what's Biden, uh, President-elect Joe Biden's role in kind of in holding these people responsible to task, like that part. And then I guess the, the moving forward part too, but I, I guess like specifically what, I mean, like how much does what he say, uh, does what he says matter right now in determining what happens to, to, to those people that were involved? I think Biden's in a really tough spot. Um, you know, he's, he's president elect. <clears throat> he's only president in, in a week. And he, you know, traditionally presidents get about a hundred days to like get an agenda out before uh, the groundswell of basically the upcoming midterms and, you know, November 22 start to basically make people recalcitrant to being able to get the work done that you want to get done. Um, it's a very, very short timetable. It's completely unfair, but that's how we work. It's how our democracy works. Um, and he really wants to get the ball rolling. At the same time, you can't just pack your stuff up and go home. I mean, just, there just is no ability to move on without um, at first doing the work of cleaning up the mess. And, you know, this is... I've been uh, seeing quite a few people who are much more than me talking about kind of South Africa's truth and reconciliation process um, and, and how there is a need for truth and reconciliation in the U.S., specifically around race. But I think that, that people who have been talking about it for years around race issues are also now talking about it specifically around Trump issues um, and about you can't it, it, we can't start with acting like it didn't happen. Right. And I think and I think. Biden has done at this point what I, what I think is probably a fair middle ground position, which is I think the House and Senate should do whatever they want, is what he said. I'm not going to tell the Department of Justice what to do as far as charges. They should do whatever they want. Um, and I'm going to try to stay above it. I do think that the ways in which you're going to see him have to enter the fray. He's going to have to enter the fray um, in his inaugural address. Your, inaugural, your inauguration is happening behind seven foot barricades because there are people in the audience likely intending to potentially assassinate you. Like, like this is a, like, that's the actual scene next week. Um, there are going to be 1500 national guardsmen, uh, military officials, not here to parade in the inauguration as they normally would be, but instead here to ensure that the president, the new president of the United States and vice president is not assassinated during his inauguration. That is the highest number of national guardsmen uh, here um, even more than the Black Lives Matter protests when there were 
uh, when the National Guard's people outnumbered the protesters, you know, at least one and a half, maybe two to one. And so, um, and so I think that he, he is going to have to find a way to address the truth. Now, um, to some extent, he's absolved of needing to do something right now because Speaker Pelosi um, and the House and the Senate, to some extent, is, is kind of pushing forward with their own. Um, he's not president yet. This is our government. We'll control it. And that has worked out for him. Um, and but I think he's going to he's going to he's, he's going to have to, like, talk about it. Um, and that's going to he's going to have to talk about it sooner than he probably wants to. I mean, we're, we're while we are recording this pod right now, we are getting breaking news literally as, right. as, as you know, as we're trying to talk about this. Um, Liz Cheney, the number three Republican in the House of Representatives, just said she will vote to impeach the president. Um, that is huge. Right. And so uh, Senator, you know, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell came out and said not publicly, of course, through indirect sources, but nothing gets out um, as far as Mitch, Mitch, McConnell says, Mitch McConnell says, unless he wants to get out. And he has allowed it to get out to leak that he actually thinks the president has committed impeachable offenses. So uh, we can talk about the politics of why Republicans are all of a sudden behind impeachment. But but the point is that what what is happening as we are right now recording is there is an attempt, a fervent attempt to get the president to resign. Um, that's all the signals when the number three Republican in the House, the person who runs the Republican conference is saying, I'm going to vote to impeach. That is giving license to a hundred other Republicans in the House to be able to make that same vote. When Mitch McConnell leaks out that he, is, he thinks the president has committed impeachable offenses, he's giving license for the 16 senators that need to come over for a conviction to come over. And so... And what is it? I'm sorry, just, just for clarification, in order to, um, sure. to impeach a president... What so are you the need a majority in the House of Representatives, and then you need two-thirds in the Senate, or 66... Yeah, 66 still. Uh, there'll be 99 yeah. sitting senators uh, when uh, when they uh, if, uh, waiting on Warnock and also seats to be uh, to be confirmed yeah. or certified. But uh, once there are 100 senators, you need 66. And so um, I think that we are going to see the president um, impeach and convicted, which I wouldn't have said 20 minutes ago. I, like this is a I'm, I'm this is a, this is a brand new development um, in my own thinking about what's getting ready to happen. I do think the president's going to be impeached, convicted. And then I think that you'll get a party line vote, 50 plus the vice president, to bar him from ever holding public office again. Um, I think that's actually where we're headed now. I, again, I wouldn't have said that 15 or 20 minutes ago. Um, that's significant. And I think that's going to keep Biden from having to enter the fray. Um, but I, but, or the president will resign under pressure. I mean, that's what, that's what you know, just as a quick history lesson, that's what happened to Nixon. Um, Nixon was right. told, you're going to get impeached and convicted. Uh, how quickly does Ford pardon him? I'm trying to remember. I, I never. I want to say it's in the, within you know days after assuming assuming yeah. the role. Oh. So, um, and you know, there's all this self pardon conversation happening. Um, right. But I do think that given the the news media in the last two hours, that someone in the president's camp just pulled him aside and said, "Look, you're going to be impeached and convicted and barred from holding public office. The way to you're maybe nothing you can do about that." Uh, at this point. Um, but the thing you might be able to do is resign. And uh, so I'm, I, you know, you may not be able to get this pot out fast enough uh, for, for what may, may be the news, but um, I don't think President Trump has the, um, I don't know, humanity, like, the, I don't know, the, the, 
uh, I don't know, the, 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 the semblance of a three-year-old. I don't know. He doesn't have the capacity to, um, to, to resign, I don't think, in which case I, I think we're going we're gonna to see him impeached, convicted, and, and barred from public office, uh, which is much, as much, to be fair, and I, I don't want to, I'm not giving Republicans too much credit. This is as much about clearing the field for the 2024 presidential election for them as it is about actually holding him accountable. So, I mean, they don't get any pats on the back from me uh, for, you know, you know, I don't know, being willing to impeach and possibly convict a person who has incited an insurrection um, against the government. But I do think that that's what's happening here. Yeah, move. Just give me a reaction to, to what I thought. Yeah, and, and I'm looking checking Twitter as we uh, were just talking, even as Ed was talking, uh, Representative Adam Kinzinger, who's been very critical of Trump, and he's a Republican from Illinois, has said he will vote to impeach. And I, we're on the eve, we're on impeachment eve, uh, where the House is set to vote on impe- uh, one article of impeachment uh, tomorrow. Uh, we're recording on the 12th. They're set to vote on it on the 13th tomorrow. Um you know, I'm with Ed. Uh, I don't think some of these Republicans get a whole lot of credit because if instigating an insurrection against the United States government isn't enough for impeachment, there isn't anything. There literally isn't anything worthy of impeachment. Um, he is, Trump has clearly, and I would argue even before this, broken his oath of office because I thought he should. I mean, I think we all agree that what he did with uh, using taxpayer money to bribe Ukraine to get dirt on his expected political opponent was worthy of impeachment. Um, and removal. Um, certainly this is as well. Um, and, and I thought, you know, it was kind of ironic with the first impeachment. People said, oh, yeah, it's definitely wrong, but we think he's learned his lesson. Looking at you, Susan, <laughs> Senator Susan yeah. Collins. Um, clearly he hasn't. And like Ed said, I do not expect him to resign. He does not care enough about anything other than himself. He doesn't care what he destroys in the process. Um, he, you know, is going to do everything he can to go down swinging. Now he's been deprived of his favorite toy, Twitter, um, in doing that. Um, but he's still the president of the United States. He still has access to the media when he wants and has the largest bully pu- pulpit that exists. Um, Not to mention the nuclear But, course. you know, I, I yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, you saw the tweet going around, which is really, really concerning that he's been deemed too dangerous for Twitter yet he still has access to the nuclear codes. And I think we have a really sort of d- weird dance going on where you see Nancy Pelosi reaching out to the Joint Chiefs about what can or can't happen given these strange, not yet quite impeached president. And it really kind of goes around in the same way with the deployment of the National Guard to the Capitol. It goes outside the chain of command. Like, and I'm not comfortable with this. Like, I'm very like this... Some of this doesn't seem to meet constitutional muster because the reporting was that Trump would not deploy the National Guard to the Capitol and resisted that and that it was, in fact, Vice President Mike Pence that did that. Now, Mike Pence is not commander in chief. I'm not sure how that went down. And I think there needs to be an investigation of how that went down. Um, And if it because I think that furthers the basis and I think there need to be hearings and all of Trump's little aides need to be brought in to say what they saw, what they heard, what the president was was or was not doing, whether there was ever a delegation of power to authorize Mike Pence to deploy the National Guard. Um, in the same way, like Nancy Pelosi seems to be acknowledging with the nuclear codes and any foreign strikes or military strikes, like, hey, we've got a toddler at the wheel. You know, we need to make sure he has the play phone, not the real phone, not the nuclear, fo- the actual nuclear football, because he can't be trusted. That's the president of the United States still. And if you think it's that urgent that you need to make that phone call, 
he needs to be impeached immediately. Like we're we're going to be a week out from this insurrection, and he's still president of the United States. Um, he's had the ability, he's had access to our most sensitive secrets for another week, and we may not have an impeachment trial if Mitch McConnell has his way until after Biden is inaugurated. So the impeachment trial may not take place until Trump isn't president anymore. I still think it needs to happen. But the fact of the matter is we have to be faster about removing a dangerous person. And well, I think some of the onus is on Mike Pence for not invoking the 25th Amendment and, and him and the ca- a majority of the cabinet removing him from office. I think there's also a good argument that that's not what the 25th Amendment is for. Um, you know, there's an argument I, I, I've heard made that, you know, the 25th Amendment is for when the president is incapacitated. He's not incapacitated. He's just unfit and needs to be removed. And I think they could have certainly moved faster on impeachment, although I think the 25th Amendment would have worked in tandem with impeachment, potentially. Um, this is just really unacceptable. And I get there's a lot of moving parts here, but and that Mitch McConnell uh, sent the Senate home until the 19th. But, you know, this we're in everyone seems to acknowledge and all the you know credible major news sites and news uh, platforms seem to acknowledge we're in a very dangerous period where our adversaries are watching very closely. And, you know, we can't trust Trump to defend us. We cannot trust him to do that. And that's a really precarious situation to find ourselves in. What do you think needs to happen? I'll go right back to you just really quickly. What do you think needs to happen to those lawmakers, uh, those members of Congress that were out at the rally before, I guess, I, I was going to say before things spiraled out of control, but before they went exactly how they wanted it to go, uh, before they, you know, were inciting them to go uh, throw a coup, I guess. Yeah, just, you know, overthrow the government. Like, what do you think happens, needs to happen with them? Because those people will still be, you know, as it, as it looks now, those people will still be in office uh, come January 21st. Yeah. Um, so I don't know the whole procedure for doing it, um, but I think they all need to be expelled. Um, every last one of them. And we're talking about a majority of the House GOP caucus. Um, I think it's like 147 GOPers voted to over after the attack on the Capitol. They came back, reconvened after, you know, they secured the building after they sheltered in place. And a lot of them spread the coronavirus because they refused to wear masks um, to their colleagues. Um and still voted to overturn an election with no evidentiary basis to do so. When it's clear that it's been litigated in the courts, there was no election fraud, um, and they all need to be expelled. You know, the ringleaders, uh, I think it's Mo Brooks, uh, Kevin McCarthy, Josh, uh, Josh Hawley of Missouri, Ted Cruz of Texas, they all need to go. Now, will that happen? I think it's probably unlikely. Um, so if we can beat them at the ballot box by whatever means necessary, whether it be a Democratic uh, a candidate beating them or another Republican, they need to go because they chose their specifically in the case of uh, Hawley and Cruz, people we know know better. Right. You, in the House, you get some crazies because of gerrymandering who are legitimately, you know, out there. Hawley and Cruz are we're looking out for their own presidential ambitions because they want to be president and choosing to not to vote to object to the certifications and a really awful story that came out was that while the the, the siege was on Donald Trump was calling former Auburn football coach and now senator from Alabama Tommy Tuberville except he didn't call him directly he called the wrong number and called senator Mike Lee of Utah and then Mike Lee handed his phone to uh, Tommy Tuberville, 
and was trying to encourage him while the siege is happening, while Trump is watching TV and encourage him to object to more states being certified, to drag out the process. The man was not concerned with anyone's well-being. He wasn't concerned about his vice president, who he had already thrown under the bus earlier for fulfilling his uh, ceremonial duty of overseeing the election. When people are on the chamber floor calling to hang Mike Pence and to find Nancy Pelosi, didn't care. He's worried about delaying this spectacle this siege on our seat of government, our legislative seat of government, um, whatever, these people need to pay the maximum price. They should be expelled, but if we can beat them at the ballot box, that's what I'd like. Um, I don't know if criminal charges will be appropriate or will be able to be, will be uh, feasible for these people, um, but they need to pay a price and it needs to be clear that, you know, we can have differences on policy, but, you know, instigating an insurrection um, is just beyond the pale and is not acceptable in what was supposed to be a, uh, in, it's supposed to be civil society, right? It's supposed to be the, you know, shining city on a hill, right? Um, yeah, we didn't live up to that. And one could argue we never have, but, you know, January 6th will live in infamy. I want to, I want to ask you, Ed, about, uh, I do find it just really quickly. I just have found it interesting the the reasons given by, Otherwise, what should be considered serious people in terms of why you wouldn't want to prosecute these people to the fullest extent of the law. And it's been like it's going to divide the country more and like like a lot of like kind of just weird rhetoric. That, that doesn't really mean anything. And, and it's and it's interesting, given like the reasons by, by which we the, the reasons that are, that our criminal justice system is found upon in terms of the the um, how we treat criminals. Because you 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 lock criminals up, or this this is what you learn, right? You lock criminals up because one, you want to make sure they're not dangerous to society, and then two, also you want mm-hmm. to prevent other people from thinking that this is okay, and so you want to make an example mm-hmm. out of these people. And so suddenly it's turned into some kind of Twitter poll mm-hmm. about whether or not the well, how divided will the country be? Mm-hmm. How do, who gives a shit? Like that doesn't that's not that's not that's not at all why we punish people for breaking the law like that has been really funny coming from some law and order people that are just kind of like eh, get let, let's get over it uh and, and to that point and i want to talk to you a little bit more about january 21st and 22nd and move forward because mood alluded to it earlier in the show uh these people that were um that got arrested uh the few that have so far because i still feel like there mm-hmm. should be far more but the few that have so far these aren't people that are disenfranchised. These aren't people that are unemployed and just kind of looking for something to be a part of. No, these are what should be considered, at least looking by their occupation, pillars of their community, teachers, um, firemen, police officers, uh, uh, veterans, like lots of people just, I, I just kind of don't know what you do with their ubiquity in society. Cause all I can think about is like how many of those people would just went back to work maybe are, are hiring managers at their job or, or, or have to choose between people for promotions and stuff like those people obviously have an, a very rabid agenda of white supremacy. Right. And so what do you like, what do you do with that in, in terms of, Hey, y'all know, they're just, it's kind of like this, like, it's just sort of everywhere. It has this sort of everywhere feel to it. You know what I mean? It's people from all sorts, different States. That was kind of one of the scary parts of me. Like after you know, the events of January 6th, phone, it was like kind of watching these names roll in, watching these professors roll in, like, Eesh, boy, there's there, there's probably needs to, there has to be something done about like just realizing 
the the danger of these people and how they're kind of it feels kind of like sleeper yeah, cells almost. Uh, there's so much to unpack in that, right? So um, I think you start with 74 million people voted for Donald Trump, right? I think we and I think we have to start there because it is the most people who have ever voted for a single presidential candidate outside of Joe Biden who got 80 million votes. Um, so this is the same, you know, the question you're asking is in part, the question I've been asking how we started this podcast actually months ago, the question I've been asking since November 9th, 2016, what do you do with them? <laughs> what do you do with the people for whom uh, racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, all the isms uh, that Donald Trump uh, embodies, the anti-Americanism, the anti uh, kind of city on the hill idea of Americanism, at least. Um, what do you do with those people who, who for, for whom, who he is and what he wants, uh, which is a dictatorship, is not a non-starter. Um, so, so, you know, and I don't know the answer. I, you know, I wish that, you know, it's been four years. I still have an answer. Right, I was like, I'm, like, I'm not, I'm right, not really yeah. going to get an answer on this one, right? <laughs> But I think that having watched an insurrection, I, my thought right now is about kind of Abe Lincoln and the post-Civil War Reconstruction era, right? I mean, it is, it is our only national example, national historical, I mean, there are plenty of international historical examples, but it's our only national historical example. And what happened is the initially there was this huge federal tamping down of, you know, kind of putting people in their place, right? There was the federal forces sent to the South to basically occupy the South uh, for the purpose. And, and at that time, Black folks got the right to vote. Lots of Black folk were, were, uh, were voted into the Senate, into the House, representatives into their respective governments. Um, and, and, and for about 20-ish years, um, you know, America was getting closer to the promise. Now, of course, women still don't have the right to vote. And, they, you know, there were terrible exclusion of Asians, Asian Americans out on the West Coast. There were all kinds of issues. But, um, and I don't want to minimize them, but the country was getting closer to reconciling one of its deepest, darkest chasms, which is the question of race, as it has always been. And, um, and Lincoln, you know, more or less tried to reconcile it um, by, by forcing, putting, you know, federal pressure on it. Um, then, but that backfired, right? It gave us the rise of the Ku Klux Klan. It gave us ultimately when the federal forces immediately withdrew, it gave us the, you know, what became the Jim Crow era, eventually became segregation, became mass incarceration, et cetera. And here we are today, right? Like we got, we got the hundred years of story that flows from, from that. So, in, so while part of me most certainly wants to see people prosecuted and wants to see people, you know, I want people to go down for sedition and treason and, you know, you know, all the all the things um, I am cognizant of the fact that we are um, I'll play this. A friend of mine asked me recently, um, where do we go from here, which I think is kind of what the question you're trying to ask. And I said to him, I don't know where here is yet. Like here is either the end of a very, very dark period in American history and a relatively smooth-ish now transition of power onto a relatively normal four, eight plus years of like American politics. Or it's the precipice of civil war. And I really don't know which one it is. 
And I can't, in, the, in my inkling, my feelings about which, which side we're leaning on right now are not the good one. Um, because there's no way at this point for people who have decided that they, you know, give me Trump or give me death, right? Like those people don't have an outlet. They do not, there's no, there's no way to, there's no way to let pressure off the, off the valve. And so one of the things President Trump, uh, President Biden has to do is figure out, and I know that and as a Democrat, I, whatever he's going to do on this front is going to piss me off because there's no way to make me happy, but whatever he's going to do, like there's just no way he's going to make me and progressives and Democrats happy, but he really does have an obligation and kind of in an Abe Lincoln kind of way to figure out how to let some pressure out of the valve. And whatever he has to do is going to look like a concession or it's going to look like letting them win. I mean, and he's going to have to be very calculated and very decisive about whatever he's going to do. But he does have to do something in this space. Um, and Republicans have to do something in this space. They have an obligation. This is their monster. Um, so Mitch McConnell needs to figure out, uh, you know, I guess Lindsey Graham, to extent he's still, you know, if, you know, um, I heard someone on Twitter uh, uh, likened him to being the president's fluffer. <laughs> and so I have very little <laughs> thought. <laughs> uh, um, so given his current position, <laughs> <Term> <laughs> of his current position, I'm not sure if we can rely on him. Man, that's a hard position but, to take. But <laughs> that it is. So I, uh, yeah, I, but, uh, bum. Yeah, and so I, uh, you got it, you got it, you got it. And so, but given that, I really don't, I, I don't know what the answer, I do think, and this is something I want to start thinking about and studying and maybe even writing about myself, the truth and reconciliation process in South Africa always felt soft to me. And you're talking, just just right. for clarification, just just a little bit of clarification of what that is. So, so after apartheid, uh, Nelson Mandela becomes president. He gets out of gets out of prison, and his and he sets up a truth and reconciliation commission, which basically is an opportunity for white people to confess their sins to the black people that they have harmed, and then to be reconciled back together into the country to unify it. It, it has always felt to me that it is just not the right answer, that the right answer was to kick those people out of your country, to strip them of their rights and pro- basically to reverse apartheid. Now, but, but it works. I, right? It worked in, you know, for, for South Africa in terms of never, the bloodless, uh, you know, transition. Exactly. Of, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And so I think and that's why historians have, right. you know, that's why, you know, people much smarter than me have said this is a good idea because it has it. I mean. How much has worked in South Africa is actually a question. Yeah, that, there, you know, yeah, you recall right. a couple of years ago there was there's there was a pending question for South Africans about whether or not to strip property from the generation removed of you know one generation down of ancestors right. who, um, who who were participating in apartheid. But but it was most certainly a bloodless transition, um, and I think that to some extent we have to think about what that could look like uh, in America. Like, what does it look like? to give Trump supporters um, the opportunity to confess their sins and reconcile with the rest of our country. You got to do it on Twitter now, and then they got to read the comments out loud. That's how that is. <laughs> exactly. Right, right, right. I, I, I mean, but, but I mean, just like think about it on a, just on a micro level. Yeah. Take the people, you know, I, I posted um, one of the guys, one of the insurrectionists was a car salesman in Savannah. So I posted and I was like, Basically, this guy needs to be fired. I don't know if he still has his job, but he shouldn't, right? Um, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission folks would say, 
uh, the way what actually should happen is that guy should be basically hailed into public, forced to acknowledge his wrongs as an insurrectionist, and and held accountable to the extent he committed damage, right? Um, but that he should otherwise be allowed to reintegrate into society. Um, we just too close to it right now for me to get <laughs> comfortable with that. We just, and I, but, 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 you know, to your question about where do we go from here? I, I really think we have to start having a national conversation about where it looks like to go from here because the, there are, the options seem to be um, ignore it, in which case this is coming back, this is going to bubble up for the rest of our lives. This is going to be the enduring fight, right? Um, or try to find some way to let some pressure off the valve. And, and maybe this truth and reconciliation idea is the way to do it. Um, but, you know, there, I'm not even like a radical. Like, I am. I'm going to tell you I'm right a, now, motherfuckers. I'm going to let you know right I'm, now. We can go ahead and stop this pod right now, bro. <laughs> I'm a pretty moderate, like, I'm a, I'm a moderate progressive. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I, you know, believe in government and policy and institutions. And, and if you're having a hard time getting me, to go with, I mean, it really doesn't bode well for people who who are who are righteously indignant about what we've experienced over the last four years. So, I I, I don't I don't know. Uh, but so the answer to your question is, I, it's been four and a half years. I still don't have an answer. <laughs> uh, no one has paid me for for this, so I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's funny so in my head. Like um, I don't know if you ever saw the the movie What Women Want, where the dude can see yes. uh, and yes. and hear uh, women's thoughts. Wildly probably black now. Shout out to Mel Gibson. But um, <laughs> but but I was just thinking, like, what if white people could think, could see or hear what black people were thinking, and it'd be one resounding <laughs> "We told you so." Like, like yes. <laughs> this whole yes. time, was like, yes. we really did try to tell you guys. <laughs> like that was yeah. that was right. the. That was the most inter- that was one of the more interesting parts about the sixth. Like as incredible as it was, as like angering as it was to a certain extent, it really didn't have shit to do with us in certain aspects. Like, not. like it's always kind of like we hate black people. It's like, yeah, 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 whatever. But like, <laughs> I mean, that's 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 the that's the din of the background now. That that's that's for everything. Right. But like it was honestly just kind of wild seeing like the Blue Lives Matter folks fight actual police officers. I was like, this. Yep. That's crazy as hell, right? <laughs> this is, like, just I'm just taking a step back and just being like, "Damn, look at this! Can y'all look at? Hey, Cam, look at it! Like, that's 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 that's, that's what I felt." Yeah, I think it was uh, I think it was civil rights activist um, Tamika Mallory who tweeted out during the insurrection uh, something like, um, "Like y'all let white people have their problem. This ain't got nothing to do with us." <laughs> and I was like, "Honestly, yes, yes. This is this is y'all." Y'all need to figure that out. Yeah, like don't 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 do that thing. We like check on your black friends. No, no, no. We good. You check on your white cousins. Y'all do that. Yes. <laughs> Y'all do yes. that. Don't don't involve us. <laughs> Everybody. Check on your aunties, yeah, right. your right. uncles. Right. You know, because you know when they be talking reckless at all these gatherings y'all did during the holidays, <laughs> yep. spreading that COVID. Yep. yep. And now they in DC. Talk to them. Talk Let to them know. Let them, you know the ones. You know the ones. They know. They all know. They always and that, know. And that's the other thing, right? Like, like these, uh, you know, in all seriousness, these people, like, look, these people are people as aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters and family members. And to the extent they don't agree with them ideologically, there's, you know, there was the, like, cut them off movement, like, early on in the Trump administration or when Trump got elected the first time. I think that, like, no, it has to be like, no, you 
person who has access to this person who is an insurrectionist and is attempting to, to overturn our government, you need to confront them. Like this, we are, we are at, you need to get your people together. Like, um, and I, I think that that there's, there is an obligation on, on, on white folks to like, you need to talk to your crazy uncle. I don't, I, I, I don't know. He's your uncle. I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> I don't like, 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 you need like to get him off Newsmax. Like, I, I, I don't know him, but but you need to talk to him. Yeah. And we got to address the uh, right wing yes. media yeah. ecosystem because OANN, One American yeah. News Network, uh, Newsmax, Breitbart, all these other right wing uh, platforms, like they feed nothing but constant lies. Fox News, I mean, they're not, Fox News is losing, losing ratings because they're not far gone, they're not far right enough. Even with like, you know, still horrible Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity, you know, basically living fat free every night in prime time. Because um, that's part of the, that's a huge part of the problem too. And also a huge part, and I think, you know, I think CNN's coverage since the six has been good and calling a spade a spade. Don Lemon is out here living his best life, um, you know, but <laughs> one day we, CNN one day we is I, also day to blame. I'm so dead serious. And we should. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but uh, man, my man has hit a. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I haven't seen anything like this. I have literally <laughs> never seen anything like this. Yes. <laughs> But, uh, but, but, you know, CNN and Jeff Zucker, who's the head of CNN, like they profited so greatly from Trump and the ratings he, he drives. And they tried to both side stuff and gaslight black folk and people who were raising the alarm bells about Trump and saying how none of what he was doing was normal and how he was behaving wasn't normal and, you know, couldn't stop talking about Hillary's emails. Um, they, they, they are, Blood is on their hands. The last four years are on their hands as well. They have a role in this, and I know they won't ever own it. Because, um, you know, you got people like Dana Bash at CNN who immediately after Trump released his hostage video started talking about his change in tone. And it's like, really? We're still talking about changes in tone this far along after there was just an arms insurrection? And he clearly was forced to do a hostage video where before he says he, before he denounces the violence, he says the election was stolen from me. Then he denounces the violence and goes back to saying the election was stolen from me and still has not acknowledged that Biden won the election. Yeah, sure. Just says there'll be an orderly transfer of power. That's right, because he's not he going to mutter. be at and, the inauguration, yeah. right? Like the last reports where he's not going to be. That's okay. right. No, he tweeted. That was like his last tweet. That was his last right. tweet was that he wasn't going to be. Is that, that Jordan in Utah? Is that Jordan in Utah over Bart Russell? It's like, wow, just hold the post. <laughs> wow, that's my last one. <laughs> And then, so, you know, just to get these jokes off, man, that was an enjoyable night that Twitter banned him because he tried to hop on other accounts. And Twitter was not having it. And it was hilarious to see. Out of everything, the most powerful man in the world felt powerless because he could not tweet. Like, man, you got a whole press room where it doesn't matter what time of night it is, they will take you live, man. They will take you live. Maybe not now anymore because they're worried you're going to, you know, <laughs> incite an insurrection. Yeah. Boxes, boxes don't carry him <laughs> live. They have to be like, boxes yeah, we got to carry him live. Um, 
Yeah, we might have to get a tape delay going now because we don't, we can't trust the president of the United States to, uh, you know, not incite violence against his own government. I want, I want, I want, I want to end uh, on a more positive note. We go, so we go, so here we go. So, so let's, here we go, here we go. So this is it's twenty twenty one. We're trying to be more positive out here. Okay. Uh, so here's here's what we're going with. I will, I'll just really quickly. And I'll start with you, Moo, and I'll end, I'll, I'll finish with you, Ed, since uh, you know that's your boy and you know hometown. Whoop 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 de whoop. Mood, what just what 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 does it mean first off to to have a, a democratically controlled senate and what would you like to see as a result of that and then how did you feel about uh um georgia turning blue so does it start with the two thousand dollars <laughs> that i'm expecting uh to start flowing immediately uh but with all seriousness like you know many of our fellow uh citizens are struggling like rent has been due and eviction proceedings are starting up again in courts all across this country. Um, so, you know, I hope, you know, immediately, and I know uh, President-elect Biden has reached out to Mitch McConnell about conducting an impeachment trial and starting his agenda simultaneously. And I think they absolutely have to walk and chew gum at the same time because people are desperately hurting and $600 will not pay the rent in most places in the United States for a two bedroom apartment. Um, so I think a coronavirus relief bill has to be, first up. And there are a lot of things that they can do through budget reconciliation. Um, you know, there's still going to be the filibuster, but they can confirm judges. Like if Merrick Garland is confirmed to head the DOJ as attorney general, um, they can fill that very quickly. Uh, the seat that Merrick Garland did vacates because they have, you know, 50 plus one. Um, now with uh, Kamala Harris, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris uh, being the tie-breaking vote, if that were to come up. Um, I expect aggressive action as much as they can through the procedures that they can. And I'm not a, you know, Senate procedure expert by any means. Um, but there's a lot of stuff um, that I expect to happen, you know, rejoining the Paris Climate Accord. Um, another huge thing that we need to do and, you know, re-enter the world stage. Basically, we were doing isolationism and basically, you know, we have to figure out what we're going to do about Iran. Um because we, you know, basically got rid of, got out of a nuclear deal that our allies remained in. Um, we basically seceded leadership in the world, and we have to. Something we haven't been talking enough about is, oh yeah, Russia hacked the hell out of us, and we said, and the president of the United States said nothing about it, like not a word about it. And it was a gigantic hack that is going to have lasting repercussions because basically now you have to like dump everything or find everything. Um, so it was a gigantic hack, which we have not talked enough about in the national media because so much other, you know, the world's been on fire with a pandemic and, you know, the president of the United States inciting an insurrection. Um, so there are major challenges ahead for the Biden administration. I could not fathom a world where, um, we don't have Senate control, even as thin as it is. And, you know, we should also take a moment to celebrate that Georgia elected its first black, uh, senator and a Jewish man uh, to the Senate. Like that is incredible in Georgia where we would not think it were possible, was would be possible. And uh, you know, you gotta give a shout out to all the people, including you two who did everything they could to turn out the vote. Um, Stacey Abrams. Yes, me and Stacey Abrams. Me, 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 me and Stacey were like, I was like, Stacey, I'm like, me. Yeah, it was the exact same thing. I, I phoned you know, back for a few I'm hours, glad to see yes. her rightfully getting her flowers. And, you know, I'm I'm appreciative that a lot of people are acknowledging like, hey, 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 let's not be talking about what job she should be given in the Biden cabinet. She can, let's, let, let's wait and let her tell us what she wants to do. Because, you know, she could have taken her ball and gone home. 
But what did she do? She said, I'm coming back for everything. The presidential election and then both Senate seats. And it's going to be critical now. It's going to be critical going forward um, in enacting some of this legislation. And I, I think what's a big thing that is going to be underplayed is the ability to now put pressure on Republican senators. They have to take votes now. Mitch McConnell has protected them from tough votes. Like what, what Repu- how many Republican senators want to really go out there and vote against $2,000 stimulus checks and be on record as having voted against them? I know some of them are like, you know, Tea Party types, but the deficit, the national debt, but that's not all of them. I think uh, Tom Tillis in North Carolina is up for reelection in 2022. Uh, I think if it's, you got to, I think one of the senators from Florida, I can't remember if it's Scott or Rubio is up in 2022, but like you don't want to be on record voting against stimulus checks when everybody's hurting. And where they might be able to be protected by Mitch McConnell, that protection's gone, baby. You taking some hard votes now, so it. I mean, the repercussions of this these two huge wins in Georgia are, are enormous. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, um, I'm I am studying up on my Senate procedure as well. Um, you know, the, the to go back to what Moody said about budget reconciliation, just to uh, note that for a second, basically. Usually, you need sixty votes in the Senate to pass anything. That's that's what the filibuster effectively requires. And um, you know, we could have a conversation about the filibuster uh, later, because or <laughs> maybe never at this point, because it's not going anywhere uh, during the Senate term, at least. But um, but the reconciliation process is a process by which the the basically the fiscal budget for the federal government um, gets quote unquote reconciled between the House version and the Senate version. Um, and they, um, they do that, um, you know, whenever they pass a fiscal budget, and it only requires a simple majority of the Senate instead of, uh, it, it's not bound to the filibuster rule. So uh, there have been conversations I know about uh, potentially breaking that what would be one bill into three, um, and potentially giving them, you know, up to nine opportunities to use that procedure to move the agenda. So I, I think you'll see some maneuvering like that. Uh, Cindy Bur- Senator Bernie Sanders will be chair of the Senate Budget Committee, um, which is huge. Um, it is both exciting and nerve wracking for someone like me who's not as progressive as Bernie Sanders, who agrees with quite a bit of his ultimate policy positions, but are concerned about um, his underdeveloped thinking on some of his policy positions. Um, but now he's going to be in the chair, kind of having to put pen to paper. So maybe this will. Maybe, maybe my concerns won't bear out as much because he'll actually be responsible for ensuring that, you know, it turns into real actionable policy. Um, but, you know, Democrats running the Senate is a huge deal. Um, you know, on, on January uh, 20th at noon, assuming that Warnock and Asa's race have been certified by them, which I think they're supposed to be certified by them. Um, you know, the most powerful person outside of the president of the United States, Joe Biden, uh, will be Vice President Kamala Harris, and not because she's vice president, but because she will wield the gavel um, in the Senate on every tie-breaking vote. So uh, it is, you know, I just want to, you know, quick shout out, the most powerful woman in the world is going to be uh, Howard Bison, just in case. I just, I didn't, I thought it, it was important. Did we, I, we, had, you know? we, had, we had mentioned, we had mentioned it, and I just thought it was important to know yeah, that she did go to she Howard. Did. That just, you know what? You know what you're I right. Just she want to note for the world, most powerful woman in the world uh, on January 20th at noon uh, is a black woman who went to Howard. So, um, so I think that that that's important. But um, you know, I, I'm happy for Warnock and Austin. I am uh, as a political observer, um, 
I, wait, just yeah. quickly. Did you see the vote cover? I, I did. I which one? The one what? the pink and green one the, or the or the other one? The well, pink yeah, and green I did see that. Yeah. I did see that. It, there's been some discussion about whether the pink and green one was real or not. Okay. Uh, all right. I was because it looked it I was like, little, this, this, this all looked yeah. like this, I thought it was gonna be a little bit but look, I mean look, I don't know anything about fashion, but it just didn't seem fly. I was just like it, it didn't grab me the way that you know, and, and then the photographer behind the Vogue cover is a black photographer who's been getting a lot of, he did a Vogue cover maybe a year or two ago, I can't remember his name right now. Um, but he got a lot of press off of that Vogue cover. So it's hard for me to believe that he did the pink and green Vogue cover, and then when he then the ones he posted were her in the baby blue uh, pantsuit. And he was like, this is my work. So I was basically like, mm, I don't know. Okay. I think the K's got a little excited. Um, Might've got the Photoshop. And, you know, <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not saying, look, I'm not saying anything definitive. I'm just noting uh, that maybe that's what happened. So, um, <laughs> so, so, but nevertheless, she will be in her all white and pearls, I'm sure. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh and so will i so uh we'll have that in so um but yeah i look i'm on as a political observer though about the senate races um reverend warnock is only going to be a u.s senator until uh 2022 um right. and he has an election so he's immediately back into election into running for office john also has a full six-year term um I, I think it would be hard to accept that they didn't both win as a matter of the circumstances of the time like i have a there's a big question for me a big question right for me and i think georgia uh you know people who are from georgia or people who believe in georgia or whatever uh georgia voters in particular is is this georgia becoming purple is this is this georgia becoming virginia right like you know a few years like 10 years ago it was like the first time georgia goes i mean virginia goes blue and like you know then we got senator tim kane and you know then now now every every elected official every every the house the Georgia, the Virginia legislature, the governor, the senators, everybody's a Democrat now. But 15 years ago, that wasn't true. So it, the question is, is this Georgia turning blue or is this a moment in Georgia's history um, that's going to be immediately reversed? So I don't know. That yet, that's yet to be seen. Um, I'm sure there are really smart people politically advising um, everyone involved. Stacey Abrams has is, is, is basically given every indication she's running for governor in 22 against Brian Kemp. Um, and, uh, that will be a, a rematch that Kemp does not want because, um, he's already on that. Yeah. Bad I mean, you don't have Trump with you and Stacey is, I mean, just, just, she's a star now. Yeah. Like she's, a, she's a national yeah. star now. Like before I think polit- political people obviously right. knew she was right. given, you know, also, but like now, you know, she's. You know, she's getting brought up. At, at, I mean, she was at versus. Yeah, right? yeah. Like yeah. she was. At, I mean, obviously, obviously, the height of stardom obviously. was at the GZ. Obviously, I mean, uh, <laughs> the GZ and Gucci. Versus, I mean, but she's bro. she's also like her her name is being tossed in the ring for the Nobel Peace Prize, and and that and I'm, and that's not even. And you know, usually when I mean, it does, actually, it doesn't take a lot to be nominated for Nobel Peace Prize. Basically, just someone has to send send in your name. But like, she's being considered like potentially legitimate and, and honestly i think she should be considered i mean she pretend, she has potentially been able to take the suppression tactics that have worked in the south of the united states to target suppress and oppress black voters since reconstruction and has managed to to like engineer a reversal of that i mean that is actually i mean you know it, it, it at least it is not and it's not just important in this instance given the change in the senate for america it's, it's what she did 
has opened America up to the world. And so, you know, I, we'll see. I'm not saying she's going to get a Nobel Peace Prize, but, but I think that it's not surprising to me that her name is starting to get, uh, get you know, um, air in that space. So let's see what happens. Um, I'm excited about it. I'm, you know, I hope we get to see it, you know, uh, to get to round back out where we started. Um, it's going to be a treacherous few days, you know, um, for those of us who live in the DC area, it's not as safe as it was two weeks ago. Um, and it won't be as safe, uh, two weeks from now. Um, so I think that, that we have to be vigilant as a country. Um, and I, I hope and pray for a smooth, uneventful inauguration day, January 20th at 12 o'clock noon, uh, you know, Vice President Biden will become President Biden. He will hold his hand on uh, on a Bible of his choosing. I, I actually think he will probably choose uh, his son's Bible or something, some some nod to Bo. Um, and he will um, promise to protect our country from enemies, both foreign and domestic, something that the current president um, has refused to do. So um, I hope, you know, I'm hoping for it. I'm, 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 I'm I, I'm not optimistic, but I am hoping for it. I want you guys to to stay in in that re- in that regard. I want you guys to stay safe. You know, you're in DC. Yep. Uh, there's report FBI reports of you know things happening not only <clears throat> in DC but at capitals of different states. Obviously, move that that would include you. Yep. So, uh, y'all, you know, y'all just kind of kind of if you can keep your head now the next few days, uh, and you know, so we can make it through to a to a little bit safer safer yep. time. Now, this is where I conclude the show, but but before we get up out of here, I'd like to give Mood and Ed, and I'll start with you, Mood, uh, just a, a little bit of time just to, to talk about something that, that they noticed. Uh, you know, usually it's in the last week. In this case, it's in the last couple of weeks. All right, you know, y'all can hate. It's fine. <laughs> uh, I, I, I need a break. Um, but but Mood, um, what, what are you, uh, what's going to be your closing argument? So my closing argument is... Uh... You know, something that we've sort of alluded to, but uh, we need to start having a serious conversation about the need for elected Republicans to uh, to purge themselves of Trumpism. Um, it is a cancer um, on American democracy. It is fascist. It is authoritarian. Um, it is fueled by white nationalism and white supremacy. Uh, and it's time for Republicans to own it. And know that they've coddled it for the longest. They thought they could ride the tiger of Trumpism and get away with it. Mitch McConnell is chief amongst them of trying to get the judges and the laws he wanted passed, like tax cuts. Um, They got three Supreme Court justices out of it. And a lot of them are like, cool, now let's just move on and turn the page. It's very evident that that's not going to be possible. Like they might hope for it. They might hope this impeachment. You see McConnell with his signals that he's down for impeachment. They hope they can just purge immediately. I don't think that's going to be possible. Um, And I think that's indicated by the fact that like 147 congressional House members uh, voted to overturn the results of a free and fair election. Um, I think Trump is a symptom, not the disease. Um, And they're going to have to really finally have that autopsy. And I know there have been, you know, some findings of Trump making inroads with minorities and women, but I don't think they were that significant. He got destroyed. Um, like, I know that the Electoral College was a squeaker in some states, but seven million, he, he lost the vote by more than tw- twice what he lost it the last time. 
by when we talk about the popular vote. He lost to Hillary Clinton by three million. And now that's expanded to seven million. Um, and I think as the baby boomers, uh, you know, phase out of the electorate, a nice way of saying pass on. That wasn't um, really nice. I mean, you were you were great until the, when you explicitly mentioned them dying. But you know, I mean, but that's just, that's they they have to realize that their base is aging, and you know they have to start appealing to minorities and young people who their ideas are not popular with. And you know, there's going to come a time where they people realize that they want the government to help them, as we've seen this uh, complete failure of rolling out the vaccine. Um, they were hoping to have 20 million people vaccinated by the new year, I think. We're at 9 million. We're nowhere close to that. I know um, President-elect Biden want, would like to have 100 million people vaccinated in his first 100 days. We'll see. We'll see. I know he plans to release all the vaccines, and now the Trump administration has adopted that tactic now. That was news that was announced today that they adopted the Biden tactic that Biden was planning to release, not hold any of the vaccines for the second dose that both the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines require. And I think it varies between three and four weeks or um, between when you get the second dose um, to just get them out. Um, Trump is now doing the Trump administration is now doing that. So we've got some serious issues. And I think Republicans have to get back to some semblance of normalcy, um, which is not Trumpism, right? Um, if we're going to have a functioning democracy. Um, I do think there is a place for an opposition party, but that opposition party has to function in actual facts. We have to agree on a set of facts to actually make democracy work. We can't operate in this reality world where Trump won in a landslide when, you know, the place where you litigate these issues, even Trump appointees are like laughing it out of court. So that's my closing argument is, you know, Republicans, you know, take a look at your house, get it together. Um, so there's this, <clears throat> I'm going to end on a, on a, uh, completely random note. Um, there is a, a young woman, uh, who has a song out on YouTube and making its way around the internet. Um, her name is Nikki Aaliyah, or at least that's her uh, YouTube name. The song is earth is ghetto. And I am telling <laughs> you that the song speaks to my spirit in this moment. Um, it's just good. So if you have not had a chance, go on YouTube. Or Instagram. I'm just yeah. gonna be blasting on my speakers and, and, and as soon as we're done with this. Earth is ghetto because it's I'm good and <laughs> and it is just it is it is ex- like it takes everything I feel right now and puts it into beautiful melodies. She has a beautiful voice. She's a songwriter and singer, and uh, and it's just it's 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 like the versions of the um, you about to lose your job that I also felt in my spirit. <laughs> with, with remixes, I really, I really felt like those were getting somewhere, you know, with the musicality, and so, um, and so, yeah. So I, so go, you know, do yourself a favor after this difficult podcast where we have discussed insurrection and civil war. Go, go ahead, do yourself a favor uh, and find, find, find this young lady's uh, "Earth Is Ghetto" song on YouTube. Uh, it'll, it'll do something for you. So. <laughs> That is random. That was the most. <laughs> that was absolute, and, and honestly, pitch perfect. Given the tone of this of this pod, that was pitch perfect, y'all. Man, it's 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 good to, to talk to y'all again. It's always good to to get another you know piece of content out. But but more importantly, it's really good for me just to talk to y'all because it's been it's 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 been it's it's been a year. <laughs> it's been a, can we can we get twenty twenty one back? This 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 ain't number twenty twenty with an ultra part right here. I swear, bro. Like, damn, fam. But you know, you know what? 
positivity. We're gonna be out yep. here. We're gonna be good. You know, we got both the Senate seats with something that I, I, I did not think that was gonna happen. Like I just didn't, and I was so glad. I'm also so glad living in Georgia now that I do not have to see another political uh, campaign ad for like you know a little while because that was. I mean every 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 commercial break. Mm. Why was I on Netflix so hard? I could not take it. I couldn't could take the shit. So I'm so glad y'all be safe. Y'all, y'all, y'all uh, the listeners, you guys be safe as well. These are probably going to be a yep. hectic few weeks. Uh, but I do think there might be a light at the end of the tunnel. Who knows? It might be a train or it might be the way out. Y'all be easy. Y'all be safe. We will catch you guys.